Brooks and I walk around the show. We have some some funny moments. Uh, and at the end of the show, we sit down and we're in the Grand Lux Cafe and we're talking. And I'd say, what happens if we were to sort of like redo what a cigar blog is supposed to be? You're listening to Box Press, where we are passionate about cigars and how to care for them. Welcome to another episode of Box Press. We are on the road. Dallas, Texas is our landing spot, and we have joined Brooks and Charlie from Half Wheel. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Showing up at our office. Yeah. You know, this office is pretty interesting. Disrupting the work day. Appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, you guys invited me. I came. I didn't invite you. (laughs) So, Brooks, we'll start with you. (laughs) To those out there who may not know what Half Wheel is or are new to this, what is the objective of Half Wheel? Because I know what I use it for. I use it for um, reviewing cigars. If I'm going to go into a shop and look at uh, the cigars on the shelf, I'm going to probably pull it up on Half Wheel, see if that cigar got a good rating, and then decide whether or not I'm going to spend my hard-earned money on it. So I really like that aspect of it. But what do you guys think Half Wheel really brings to those out there that either are using it or those that are new to this and would want to start using it? Well, I think the idea that we have a lot of different purposes in what we're trying to do, but I think one of the main ones for me, at least, has been to be a curator of the industry, to be the people who, um, the people who uh, have the, you know, to cover the industry from the, from the, from the, you know, from the start to be in, in its entirety, as much as you possibly can. Uh, now, Charlie does all of the new, uh, uh, most of the news with Patrick. Uh, from the cigar industry but when we started out it was the idea was that we wanted to cover it the way that other people hadn't necessarily you know when i was doing reviews i was just scatter shooting you know doing here doing there whatever it was whatever looked good um with with my old site uh and what charlie wanted when when we sat down charlie had a very clear view about what he was looking for and one of them was that he wanted to have everything that we could possibly get onto the site all of the news that happened during the site and no matter how small how big uh the news was it was something that uh, that he wanted to cover and right. um he was uniquely suited to do that for sure uh in terms of what he can do and in, in, in his talents that he has and so when he went forward with that it was something that i thought at the time was not um not possible honestly uh, and uh, they've been able to do that, which uh, is, you know, he, he continuously, you know, proves me wrong in any number of ways. But um, it, this was a big one in that in that regard. Um, nice. But also I wanted to have in terms of what I wanted, I wanted to have the photography to continue. The idea mm-hmm. was to push the boundaries of what we could do with photography. You know, cigars are a, a handmade product or they're a piece of art in my mind. Sure. And so it's not just the idea that you're shooting these 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 cigars themselves, but you're also wanting to shoot the process. You wanted to shoot what's going on in the background, having people who, you know, other the, the vast majority of people who smoke cigars have no idea. Um, no, no, they're completely ignorant when it comes to um the process itself and how they're made and things right. of this nature, the, the, you know, the conditions they're made in. And so one of the things that I wanted to do was to, to uh, highlight those uh, specific aspects of the industry. Sure. Charlie, anything to add? Yeah. I mean, I, when we created half wheel, the, the stated goal was we wanted to create the cigar blog that we wanted to read. I think that some days we do that. A lot of times we don't. I think that we would honestly probably appreciate reading a, a bit of more gossipy of a blog. Um, but we found that, that that probably isn't the best approach for us from a business standpoint and, and certainly from a from a readership standpoint. We're, right. Brooks and I and, and Patrick are, are three very unique individuals in terms of our outlook on the cigar industry and our relationship with the cigar industry but i think beyond creating the cigar blog that we want to read because in most aspects we do 
we have news, we have reviews, we have reviews that are honest. I, I tell people all the time that, you know, when I'm out shopping for something and I'm looking at reviews of suitcases or refrigerators, if I go to a website and they don't publish any negative reviews, that's a, a gigantic red flag to me because that means that they, sure. it's unlikely that all five refrigerators were great. Um, and there's a lot of cigar blogs that you can't really tell if, if there's any cigars that they don't like. And that's a problem because, uh, there, there are some bad cigars. There are quite a few of them actually. Um, and I unfortunately have had to smoke a couple of them the last couple of weeks. Um, but, um, <laughs> the second goal I think that we have is that we want to, uh, make the information a little bit more or a lot more accessible. So not just in terms of actually publishing it, but also having it in a manner that's easy to find and easy to comprehend. I've always believed that the fundamental aspect of journalism is to take the complex and make it simple. And I think that in some degree, uh, we do a very good job in that. And then there are other times yes. that I look at some sentences and wonder what we were thinking. But uh, no, I would I would definitely chime in there because that's what I like about it is that I'm able to read it and none of it is like necessarily insider information. Like I can still follow who you're talking about and what you're saying and who's playing at what, um, you know, facility and who's shifted it as far as like a GM from what company. So I like that aspect. I do notice that from other perspectives uh, in the inside the industry, there might be some, you know, if you and I were talking, there's some inside dimension that I don't quite understand or I'm not quite picking up and really not being an insider, I wouldn't really know how to follow it. So I appreciate the half wheel perspective of giving me news, not only that I can follow, but also that I can comprehend and enjoy reading. Yeah, no, I mean, it's something that we, we certainly have an audience that I think amongst, with maybe the exception of, of tobacconist or smoke shop, uh, has the highest percentage of industry people in it. Um, and cause we've mm -hmm. really, we've done things to create a model where if you're in the cigar industry, you have to read half wheel on a regular basis on a daily right. basis. Um, and we're cognizant of the fact that we have a lot of those readers, but we also have a lot of consumers mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of retailers as well that are going to be confused about who owns the La Victoria farm. Um, and the more I talk to people in the industry, like most people have no clue who owns the La Victoria farm, unless you're in Honduras and you're around the La Victoria farm, and then it's pretty clear right. um, that it's an Aroa farm. But uh, so we've tried to, to be cognizant particularly in the last two or three years, that when we're writing news articles, they need to operate sort of like a law and order episode. You need to be able to read the news article independent of itself and not have to rely on reading five other news articles to make sense of it. Um, Thank you for that doing was, that for us. Yeah, I think that was certainly an issue <laughs> in 2012. I don't think we were having that sort of perspective. Right. So Charlie, tell me a little bit about the history of Half Wheel and when it started. Yeah, so Brooks and I met in early 2011 a couple months after meeting, um, Brooks actually asked me if I would join Smoking Stogie, um, which was an interesting maneuver because I think the cigar fee was probably making more money at the time. Albeit, we're talking about like eight hundred dollars, cash, six hundred dollars. <laughs> I had a lot more cigars, but uh, yeah, cash money uh, was where it's at. Yeah, so uh, Brooks went to his first show in 2011. His site had been around a lot longer, but it was doing rare and hard to find cigars. Uh, I would say for the first someone that went back and had to edit all those articles at some point i'd say the first year and a half two years probably 50 percent cubans so he wasn't having to interact a lot with uh the non-cuban cigar industry in america and what he was interacting with was mainly uh fuente and, and taiwahe uh, a little bit of Luzione, a little bit of Lafleur, but it was largely habanos 
Fuente and, and then Pete stuff. I was a big fan of Pete at the time. I mean, I still am, obviously. But I mean, we because he was releasing so many limited editions, it was right. easy for me to just uh, grab those and review those. So uh, we went to the show uh, in 2011, and I had known all these people because I was, as Brookson mentioned, the Cigar Feed did do reviews, and I think they were read, but our, our the unique thing about the Cigar Feed was we did news, we broke news stories, uh, which was unheard of for a cigar blog at the time. It really, I mean, there wasn't a ton of news coverage, collectively speaking, in the cigar media. Not right. There's a ton today, but it was a much different story. Uh, it was Cigar Fishnata would maybe write, at most, four articles per week. Uh, they would have Cigar Insider that would come out every other week. Uh, and Cigar Insider would really be the place that would have probably the more exclusive news stories. Sure. Uh, but no one, I, I mean, most people don't know that Cigar Insider exists today because uh, it's a subscription only. And, and they promote it a little bit here and there. But it was much different than what you see today where, where you know, you have Half Wheel and you've got Cigar Coop and Cigar Journal's doing news. And, and then you've got CA doing news at a lot more aggressive pace. So anyway, so July we go to the trade show, or August, whatever month of the year that was, um, and it was 2011, so it would have been in Vegas. And Brooks and I walk around the show. We have some some funny moments, uh, and at the end of the show we sit down, and we're in the Grand Lux Cafe, and we're talking. And I say, what happens if we were to sort of like redo what a cigar blog's supposed to be? Um, if we start over from scratch and we take the best parts of Smoking Stogie namely the reviews and particularly the photography, and we combine it with the news aspect of the cigar feed. But we also re-examine things. So we figure out if there's better ways to be doing reviews and better ways to be doing news and better ways to be doing cigar blogs and the business side of it, the technology side of it. Uh, and uh, we we decided that that seemed like a good idea. Uh, we had, both sites had some other people working for them at the time um and a couple of them stuck around a little bit later on once half wheel launched but none of them are here today still writing for us i think all of them are still living i think um and uh so that was august of 2011 so we spent the next uh four or five months uh running between the two of us three sites at once we were wow merging all of the content over into a new wordpress site that was half wheel. To be clear, I was not doing any of that. That was all Charlie because I, I would have no idea what, the, yeah. uh, what I was doing. Uh, but uh, we did have some other people though. It's like yeah, we you know Steve was around and Patrick Mize and and it was uh, there was actually a lot of hands on deck. Not the Patrick that we have uh, today, Patrick Reed, but a different Patrick who was writing for Brooks at the time, uh, who then got his law degree and decided that he didn't want to be a cigar blogger anymore for some reason. Um, crazy bastard. Yeah, I don't know why. Sure. Um, and so we were we were doing that, and uh, there's a notebook somewhere in this office that literally it was all done in secret. So there's a, there was a list that was kept of all the people that knew about the website um, because we really wanted it to be a surprise when we launched on January one of 2012. And so a high opinion of ourselves at the time, apparently, with the uh, the list of people who knew about the such thing. Uh, but we, yeah, we definitely, uh, when we launched it, it was a surprise. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we had shut down. I mean, Charlie decided that uh, that's what we should do, but we should shut it down completely. We shouldn't have an announcement or anything. We just shut down Smoking Stogie and shut down cigar, the cigar feed uh, and just redirected it. And so when people woke up at, uh, you know, 12 a.m. or whenever it was at uh, on, uh, on January 1st, uh, they were redirected to it, a brand new site with all of the information, all the old reviews, everything on there in a completely wow. different way. Nice. Yeah, so uh, it was interesting to be doing that, particularly because Brooks' site was um, on Squarespace, which at the time hadn't decided to have a marketing budget. So most people didn't know what Squarespace was, and it was quite different than WordPress, but we were having to, any article that went on Brooks' site was having to 
be written for Squarespace, but then also immediately converted over to WordPress. And that was had to be done manually because of the, the nature of the conversion. So did you write a press release for the switch of your own companies? No. We Cigar do have News. To, we this do, is Cigar yeah. News. Yeah. You, but it was different. You, there was no one to cover it. Like You? We, yeah, we announced it. I mean, it wasn't like we just <laughs> put Half Wheel up and was like, what happened here? I mean, I think the actual line of the Cover. post. There's a post that's still on the website, and every year uh, on January 1st, which is our anniversary, we always sort of celebrate it, and we do some, I think it's labeled as programming notes to describe kind of the awards that are coming up and things like sure. that. And one thing I always mention in it is uh, that I always go back and read the post. It's called Don't Reinvent the Wheel, which was sort of a, a really bad play because it doesn't actually make any sense on our name um because we we were reinventing the wheel or at least attempting to sure um but it describes uh you know it's sort of the half wheel manifesto of you know we opted to to reevaluate everything that we were doing um to figure out if there was a better way and there were a lot of things that half wheel did that uh not that they matter too much but that i think it lost in the shuffle i mean we were the first ones to really like put a useful search feature onto a cigar blog. Exactly. The first ones to put uh, anything other than standard WordPress comments onto a cigar blog. There was a lot of other things. We were the first website that was optimized for phones, tablets, and PCs. Uh, Tablets not very well, but we were the first ones to do that. Uh, And, um, you know, there was a lot of other aspects beyond just like, we're going to merge some content and we're going to decide we're going to publish more and all those sorts of things. Right. and that all came about from a, you know, let's sit down and, and start from a blank sheet of paper and then try to fill it up with, you know, what we've been doing and, and figure out where the gaps are. Nice. Maybe you've already answered it and maybe you have, but how has Half Wheel changed the industry? You know, I've picked up on a few things like creating simple articles that everybody can read, obviously bringing photography and a better image to the whole industry as a whole, and then reviewing cigars basically not bias yeah i mean i think half wheels i don't think that it is the direct cause of it but i certainly think that we are one of the largest champions of the what's new attitude i certainly think that it was going to happen regardless of half wheel uh i think that we certainly encouraged it and and threw some gasoline onto that and that's good in one sense it was an exciting time it's still i guess is we're i think at the tail end it's certainly slowed down but I mean, we have things like the release list and we cover right. you know, new products on a daily basis. And uh, we cover the trade show in a manner that is much different than everyone else that certainly encourages people to put out more cigars. Um, right. I don't think that's necessarily good. Uh, there's there's too many cigars in the market. We've written about that in the past. But uh, outside of that, I think that we've made it so that cigar news is an actual thing. It, it really was not. I mean, it was here and there. I used to tell people that prior to 2010, if Cigar Aficionado didn't cover it, and if it wasn't from General Cigar Company or Miami Cigar Company or another company that was really into sending press releases out, it basically didn't happen as far as sure. is most people are concerned. I mean, there was other publications that we've sort of forgotten about now, like Cigar Cyclopedia, but they were all very reliant on press releases. There was very little original reporting. There was very little even taking what was happening on Facebook and Twitter in Instagram, which really was not a medium we were using back then, and just acknowledging beyond Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram that it had happened. Uh, certainly, there were some people on forums that'd be like, "What's this?" But there were a lot of companies that were releasing cigars, and no one really 
was acknowledging it from a, a cigar media perspective, whereas now there are very few companies that don't send out formalized press releases in one, you know, on a regular basis. Um, and that's a, a drastic change from the industry that Brooks and I were in 2009-2010. And I think that Half Wheel is, is the biggest contributor to that change. Nice. Brooks, anything to add? Um yeah, I think that um I think that I think that we've raised the standard a little bit and and while I don't want to um I don't want to uh to sound uh you know conceited or anything of that nature because I'm I'm not at heart I don't believe but I think that as as a as a whole half wheel has really um has really raised the idea that um, that you can do better that you can you can have these sources and you can have these uh these news articles that have the information before well, certainly I mean we changed the the concept of what a cigar was certainly certainly um that's probably what you're getting at there. sure before you know before anybody else that you can get exclusive information things of this nature well, right it could be a business okay yeah all right let's just uh you know move on i'll uh well no like that we we completely yeah yeah the you, you're exactly right i mean i was going to get to that and you know you should just let me finish but uh, finish no, no i'm just kidding no i hadn't even thought about that honestly and he's right 100 percent um, the idea that we could be a business because I, when, when, when we started, you know, Charlie, <clears throat> I've always had a, um, I've always had a different viewpoint on, on half wheel than he has. Uh, he's done this since he was, when he was, when he started his site, he was still in college. I know. And so when I started this site, when I started my site, it was a lark that I didn't really care about that much. I just wanted to take pictures and get, you know, get, uh, get some recognition in terms of photography and things like that. I didn't care about anything else really. And so when Charlie came to me and we started sitting down and talking, he was like, okay, this is going to be this and this is going to be this and this is going to be this. And I realized this is going to be a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. It's going to be a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. It's going to be a lot more time than I thought it was going to be. And so when he was talking about the idea that he could do this and do this and do this, and I was thinking, okay, yeah. You know, when I was advertising on my side, I was getting, you know, I don't know, 500 bucks or something a month, whatever it was. And he was like, yeah, you know, we could probably make, you know, $20,000, $20, our first year, first year and a half, whatever. And I'm like, you're insane. I mean, there's nobody's going to pay that stuff. It's, it's, it's crazy. And uh, he, he had a, um, he had a uh, plan and he, he went, we, you know, he, he explained it and we went with it. And it's changed exactly what he said. He's changed the industry. The idea that you can make uh, a living that you can have, you know, two full-time cigar bloggers essentially is what we're doing. You know, our job with, you know, pared down, our job is to smoke cigars and, uh, you know, write, you know, write things and take pictures. I mean, it's the idea that you have that as a full-time, uh, a very, you know, a very good living is, 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 right. is shocking to me. Every, every day when I wake up, it's still shocking. Sure. Um, my, my mother thinks that I'm uh, homeless. My mother, my mother has no idea what to tell people that I do for a living. And so, you know, she still thinks you know, she's constantly asking me if I need money or things of this nature. And I'm like, mom, you know, I've got a job. She doesn't believe my father heard neither one of them. They believe that I actually have a job doing this. It's just, it doesn't, it's, sure. it's, it's beyond their comprehension. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You changed the idea that you can have a job doing this and have a full-time job doing this because before this, I would have never expected it. Never in a million right. years. Well, it wasn't valid. I, you weren't around for this. I mean, you were around, you weren't at the show for it, but like the first year I showed up at the trade show was 2010. And the conversation leading up to it was that the IPSPR had chosen to table the discussion of whether to ban bloggers. Um, and in ah. 2011, that conversation at the trade show once again took place in full nature of, because there were people that believed that cigar bloggers should not be at the trade show. Because there was a lot more, there were a lot more cigar blogs than there were now, or are now, and um, 
there it, were a lot more of them showing up at the trade show. In terms of numbers, you know, I mean, they, you know, a lot of them were, you know, but a lot, you know, I mean, the, the idea of a professional cigar blog, you well, know, was, 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 was not such, there was no such thing at the so time. So it was kind of like a get in ticket, like, hey, yeah, I'm a cigar blogger, let me well, into no, the show. You know, get free stuff, you I mean, know, things still, of this nature. There and there's still people like that. Place. But no, there was, excuse me, there were, there were a lot more cigar blogs. I mean, they have, sure. If you want to talk about one negative consequence of I, I do believe that we are, a large reason as to why there are a lot less cigar blogs today. Um, because that's a negative how because you it's always good to have more. I mean, it's not good necessarily for our business, but from a cigar industry perspective, it's always good to have more voices, right? So, more people giving their opinion on yeah, what's going on or a different viewpoint of look, what's going on. I would hate to think that if I was coming, if I was 19 when I launched the cigar feed and I was 19 now, that. I would look at the cigar industry and go, you know what? I shouldn't start a cigar blog because it's going to be too hard or whatever. And when I was 19 and was starting a cigar blog, my thought was these people are doing things ass backwards. Like, why is no one covering news? Right. Like, you saw a hole and you wanted to fill it. Yeah, it was a massive hole. I mean, it, like I said, if Cigar Fusano didn't cover it, then and it wasn't a journal cigar or a Miami Cigar and Company press release, then didn't happen. basically didn't happen as far as yeah. the internet was concerned. Right. Um, and you're talking about 50, 60 cigar blogs at the time. And, you know, between the 50 or 60 of them, that was what we got. We got wow. some general cigar press releases being regurgitated. I mean, I think there was probably a bit more than that. Well, that's interesting that you said that it was regurgitation of material. So now that's different because you bring a different aspect to the industry. You bring an aspect of, I'm going to seek the information that's new and not yeah. spoken. But it wasn't even just like seeking the information. Like it was like if, because if, Pete Johnson used to be, I mean, everyone used to be a lot more active on Twitter, but like, you know, if Pete Johnson posted like, hey, there's a new Veracruz coming on Twitter, like the Cigar Blog's response was basically, hey, like, really? Pete Johnson said it on Twitter, like, I'm going to review a, you know, Taranio tomorrow. You're like, why not write about the new Veracruz? Like, that seems like something that somebody might, if they're not on Twitter following Pete Johnson, they might want to know about. Like, and, you know, uh, apparently not. So you're just reading the cues that the cigar industry was leading you down. Look, I started in the cigar industry. I, I mean, I was very fortunate very early on once the the, the cigar feed launched to have uh, some people in the cigar cigar industry really help me uh, get in contact with the right people and, and work my way up. But I mean, I started from you know a dorm room at Wake Forest University uh, with no sources no inside knowledge, had barely, I mean, I'd stepped foot in a cigar shop a half dozen times, maybe a dozen cigar shops. I was buying a lot of cigars online. I was on cigar forums, but I was not the, you know, I was not a cousin of the neighbor of Jorge Padron. Like there was no right. reason as to why I was supposed to be the one that was going to turn out, except for the fact that the bar was so low when it came to covering news that there was a gigantic open. Interesting. Do you think that struggle helped you hone what half wheel is now? Everything helps you, but yeah, I mean, I think that it it wasn't a struggle. Like, I mean, to make your way into the industry, you don't think that you had to I to work a little bit harder than maybe somebody who was handed to him? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, if I was working at Cigar Fusionado, it would have been easier. I would have walked up to someone's trade show with him and like, hey, I'm the new Cigar Fusionado intern. Like, would you like to talk? And the answer would have been a lot better. But it wasn't like people. I mean. There were certainly some some people that you had to wait a long time to talk to, um, 
to prove like yourself, right? Like half wheel. And right. Well, the, the biggest content. problem I think that he, one of the bigger problems that he had also that he may not be talking about him or, or that you may not know is the, the idea of the age that he had. He was, a, you know, he was young when he started and, and when he sure. started talking to people, people, you know, they're even now, um, you know, people who don't know us, you know, who don't know that, you know, that the major role he has in the business, they'll talk to me when they come in the office, they'll talk to me and, you know, ignore him completely. And like, you know, he's too young you know, to know what he's, he's just, doing. you know, obviously I'm the guy who knows what he's talking about because I'm the you know guy who doesn't have any hair. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think one of the bigger problems that he ran into, uh, and I saw it when we were, when we were walking around together was the idea that, you know, he just, he obviously can't know what he's talking about because he's too young to do that. And I think that a lot of that was fighting, fighting, you know, fighting that idea that he just had no, he had no idea what he's talking about. And so I think sure. that he had to prove himself even more because of that. The, 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 right. the point that, uh, that he, uh, that he needed to uh, he needed to prove that he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I certainly the age. I mean, I think it was. I've always believed that it was a double-edged sword. Like, I think that there was some negatives because there were some people that just decided, and, and for many years that you know, it is what it is. You know, he's too young. But also, it meant that there were some other people that like looked at me, and, and those people I mentioned a second ago, in terms of that really helped early on. They looked at me and said, like, well, wait a minute, we have this nineteen-year-old kid who seems really interested is asking questions um, right. that a lot of other people aren't asking and he's not like a you know he's not like every other cigar blogger he's not you know right doting over him right yeah, he's not 38 years old married with a wife that he like can't stand you know walking around in a guayabera like this is a little bit different and, right um and so uh, nice guayabera by the way <clears throat> i like that um and so uh I was not referencing Brooks. He's older than 37. Um, and I wear Tommies. So, uh, hey, you know. So, no, I've always believed that it helped. I think that if I had been, um, or that, it, you know, it, it helped and, and hurt. And fortunately for me, I think the way the cards fell, it obviously worked out. I think if I had been older and looked like every other, you know, person working for Stoey Review or Stoey guys at the time, I'm not sure that it, it I would have gotten the context that I got so early on. Sure. That led to, you know, some. I was, I don't know, I'd been writing about cigars for four months and I broke the news that Sam Lucia, who at the time was one of the most notable, three or four most notable faces in the cigar industry, was leaving right. Eva. Um, I remember the article, we published it, I had so little credibility that uh, the BOTL form, which is much larger than it is now today, or um, and Brooks and I were both members, it's a fact, I think, how we first communicated. Um, the BOTL form actually took the post down because they didn't think it was true. And then... Um, what is the BOTL? BOTL by the word bottle. Okay. Uh, Brothers of the Leaf. Brothers of the Leaf. Yeah. Okay. So, so they have a forum. They have Before, a forum. They, they well, do, there's, yes. So there's a forum called BOTL.org. That's a forum Gotcha. Um, and in Be the... Before Facebook really took off in yep. terms of groups and things of that nature, there were a lot of forums that were filling in the gap. So, so people you, would go on these websites with these forums and they would, oh. we even started a forum at one time to uh, to try to capitalize on that. It didn't work out. But, I mean, uh, before Facebook, so. Uh, yeah, and that was the idea, was you go on these, you would share, the same, basically the same thing Facebook is doing now. Right. It's just in a forum situation instead of a uh, instead of a Facebook situation. So you posted the article that Sam is leaving Oliva. I don't, I don't think I actually was the one that posted on BOTL, but no, I wrote. I may have done that. On the cigar. <laughs> Brooks is the culprit. That uh, said that Sam Lucia was, this is 2010, uh, that Sam Lucia, someone told me that he's leaving Oliva. And um, someone at Oliva had, I called them and they had said no comment, which 99.9% .9 of the time is right. correct. Uh, yeah. So I have an article up on the cigar feed. Because if he wasn't leaving, they would have said, like, what are you talking yeah, about? And it's, they would have denounced it. Yeah. 
So, so uh, affirmation number one. <laughs> somebody else posted on posted a link to it on the BOTL forum, which at the time was sort of the hot forum. And Brooks, it's a big deal. I don't know if it was Brooks or whoever. It was. I don't know. But uh, the moderators of the forum, or a moderator of the forum, determined that I was, and somewhat rightfully so, had so little credibility that they took the entire forum thread down. Sure. And then waited, and they put a comment, and they were like, "We're taking this down because we don't, you know, we can't confirm this or whatever." And then I don't know, four hours later, Scarfasano put it up, and then the post was back up on BOTL. Have you ever talked to that um, no. administrator? No. I don't care. I'm not saying that you do. I just kind of like, find I mean, an industry and like later on down the road, it's like, oh, actually this like, guy's like really paving on, away. Like later on down the road to so like, hey, like how things going? Like, <laughs> no, no, I don't mean from your perspective, but just like, eh, I don't know. But it's no, I mean, I, yeah, I guess. But by the same token, like I didn't have that sort of credit. Right. Like, I mean, uh, yeah. it does not surprise me. I mean, no, I'm not surprised by it either. I just think it's if some four month old website posted something about that today. You know, and I looked at the article right now. I mean, you might do the same thing. Yeah, I might have the same reaction to it. No, and I'm not discrediting his reaction at all. I no, just think no. it's interesting foresight, right? Come, to, you know, yeah, a few months later and a few years later, it's you guys there's are. There's no way that anyone could have seen that with me coming. Yeah, no, but it's, I like seeing the fact that yeah. you guys are the ones pulling out that information out of the industry. So, very, very, very beneficial for everybody who's into cigars and who wants to know more about what's going on. You will notice on this episode of Box Press, we are not going to be smoking because we're inside the half wheel office where we can't smoke, unfortunately, but we are drinking some craft beer. And part of the other side of half wheel is a website that reviews craft beer. And Brooks is primary on that website. So Brooks, let us know what we are drinking today. Right. So the website's called Tenemu, T-E-N-E-M-U.com. Uh, and uh, what we decided to open today was a uh, answer beer from uh, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, answer is a uh, it's a, a, a draft only brewery. Basically, they just released draft. Uh, essentially, it's a Berliner, the sour beer, sour base that uh, they put uh, they condition on various fruits and then put in crowlers. And this is a, a Berliner with passion fruit, lemonade, uh, and mango. One of their three scoops uh, series. Uh, very, very good. Uh, it's got uh, quite a bit of fruit in it. Um, and uh, it's just very, very uh, low ABV, 3.5% ABV. Uh, but uh, just uh, extremely refreshing, extremely, uh, extremely uh, complex. Very cool and uh, very good. I love them to death. But uh, you have to get them shipped with uh, almost with dry ice because they uh, explode otherwise. Oh, very interesting. Yes. Yeah. I've had uh, had a 12-pack shipped uh, that didn't uh, wasn't cooled and uh, exploded every single one of them. Wow. Yeah, 20 okay. bucks a piece. Yeah. Protect He's that investment. I'm, I'm not. Good Protect that investment. Ship it with dry ice. Almost. Not I appreciate it. What do you guys think of it? I'm not drinking it because I don't drink alcohol, but what do you guys think of the flavor profile of it? Do you like it? Is it? Well, I, I love just about anything the answer puts out. Uh, okay. And so uh, there's just, I, I've always had a sweet tooth. And so for me, that's a, it's a, it's a big deal. This one was a little bit older. It's about a month old. Uh, so it's, it's showing, it's showing age, but um, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a fruity and uh, refreshing beer. I just, uh, I love them to death. Charlie? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's not very good. I almost hesitate to call it beer because it, it really, you would not think it's beer. Sure. It's almost more of a mimosa, if anything else. Um, this is, it's good. It's still extremely good and i'd gladly buy them for 20 dollars a crowler if we could uh it's not a great version from the answer though they've put out a lot of better ones that i've fortunately through brooks have had the ability to, to drink 
But nice. uh, yeah, if you're ever around Richmond, Virginia, and uh, don't speed because you'll get thrown in jail in the state of Virginia, but do, do head over the answer, and uh, I'd highly recommend trying any of their fruit stuff because it's something else. Yeah, it's very unique. Not something you see you see a lot of uh, yeah, uh, anywhere do. around the country. There are well, a couple of other breweries. Uh, the Bale's doing something uh, like that, also, also in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, uh, the uh, the brewery uh, is actually started something like this, but uh, they sure. can't they can't compete with with. Are they with the using answer. part of the food juices to ferment that yeast uh, so, and give it some sugar to work on, or no? So what they're doing, um, essentially, from what I understand, and again, I haven't talked to them, so I don't know uh, ab- absolutely exactly, but from what I understand, they're taking the sour base and they're putting they're running it through. Uh, uh, Randall's, what they call uh, Andals, which is a, the, the name, the guy's name that owns it is uh, on. Um, Onnels, I guess, Onnels. Uh And um, he would, uh, they run it through with, they fill it full of fruit and then run the uh, the uh, the beer through it. Gotcha. And at the bottom, they put it into... Uh, it's basically like making tea. Yeah, like tea or dry hopping or something yeah. of that nature. Where exactly you're like passing that, yeah. it over, Just with fruit instead of hops. Yeah. Gotcha. You're passing it over the product, the organic product, to pick up those flavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's a, this one's, you can't really tell. Um, this one's quite clean, but a lot of them are super pulpy. Like, it, it okay. legitimately looks like a mimosa half the time. So, it's not necessarily in the wart of the beer, but it's uh, afterwards. Yeah, after no, yeah like you said, a lot of people will say exactly that. You know, this isn't really beer. It can't be beer because it doesn't taste anything like beer. It tastes exactly, almost exactly like a mimosa. Um, gotcha. But, uh, you know, it is, it, it's uh, it's definitely a burline. It's just, uh, it's just got so much fruit in it that... Uh, nice. It's cool. Really quite cool. Refreshing. Try one. Well, I want to thank both of you guys for joining us for another episode of Box Press. I really appreciate you opening up your office and letting us come in and shoot this wonderful podcast. Where can we find out more information on Halfwheel? Yes, it's pretty simple. So halfwheel.com is the domain name, and that's the same thing for Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and wherever else you can find us. Perfect. And if you're listening to this podcast now or watching us on YouTube, where you can find us on all podcast platforms, YouTube and social media, be sure to check out. We are going to go in the back room where they keep all of their cigars and the rare unicorn cigars that nobody probably ever gets. And then following up later this week, I'm going to sit down with Charlie and he's going to teach us how to taste cigars, because if it's anything like beer, it's complex Cigars are complex, and the flavor profile that we're getting out of them, sometimes I don't get it. But, you know, Charlie's an expert, and so is Brooks. So we're going to learn. We're going to hone our skills. So tune into that. Again, check us out on out on every podcast platform, YouTube, social media, Instagram, and Facebook. <laughs>